0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is still Paul Madot. Thanks very much for joining us today. I have Lee Rosens. He is head of sales at Cheetah coming to us from the Bay Area. Lee, welcome.
1: Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. Thanks very much for being here. Say hi to everybody and uh, provide a quick intro.
1: Hello to everybody. Um, Excited to be on with Paul. I am currently the VP of sales at Cheetah and uh, we're one of the fastest growing SMB supply e-commerce platforms based out of San Francisco. And um, it's been quite a blast and uh, enjoyable roller coaster that I've been on since uh, leading the team here for the last two and a half years.
0: Well, great. And I appreciate uh, the time. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to you uh, really sharing your story because it, it sounds like a cool one that you've had thus far. Now, that said, we're recording this early June. Um, unique period of time in the world, uh, that, needless to say, and uh, probably um, o- oversimplifying that. Um, how are you doing right now? How is your family? How is your team? Um, talk to me about how you're handling you know, the last 90 days because it's been pretty, um, pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, thank you, thank you for asking. Um, you know, I live in a I live in a studio uh, with my wife, and we have absolutely had to adapt to working together. We <laughs> we time out our phone calls and our meetings. You know, at times I'm running to the closet to take a meeting, and she vice versa. So it's been it's been very uh, exciting and challenging at the same time. Um, but the family is good, and the family is healthy, and. I think we continue to look through the the lens of being incredibly grateful for everything we do have and just constantly preserving that perspective that truly allows you to see that, yes, there's a lot of negativity out there, but we also have a lot to be excited and to cherish.
0: Yeah. First world how about, problem. How about right? you guys? Yeah. Yes. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're doing okay as well. All things considered, you know, as I shared with you and anybody's a regular listener on this podcast, they know my wife's a nurse. And so we have that element in our house and we have two kids at six and four and trying to navigate social distancing in the house with a six year old girl and a four year old boy. And my wife has her process when she comes home and we have to go through that. And but uh, I'm very grateful for the fact that uh, I'm still able to provide Uh, companies in a strong position right now. And, you know, my my problem is minuscule compared to others in the world. And so I I, much like Yuli, I try and maintain that. Glass half full, and so what? What can we create out of this? What's positive out of this? And because it doesn't do me any good to to sink into the depths of this is terrible. What's going to happen here? What are we doing here? These people are dying, and look what's happening in the world with race. And it's like, no, let's just. Well, I, I'm not tone deaf to it, but I try and look and say, okay, well, what's the positive out of this? As a matter of fact, I actually just posted a, a thing on LinkedIn about a poll: How is 2020 going to be remembered? And one of the options was I said, this is going to be a great year great change is happening. And so, you know, try and look at it from a positive as opposed to this is just disaster. I love that. Yeah.
1: Um, It's the way it's the way to go. And there's always a world in which things could be worse. Yeah. So truly see the beauty in everything. And I mean, that's the very first step in effective selling, right? Positive psychology, being optimistic over the phones. You and I both know it's all about, you know, reflecting what you project. Yeah.
0: Totally. Well, let's get into it then. I'm looking forward to you sharing your story. You ready to go? Let's rock. All right. Uh, Let's go back to uh, your college days, right? Uh, Sure. You're at U of A. You transferred to Ramapo College. You are getting ready to start your career 2011-2012, a degree in in business management, business admin. Um, What did you think you'd be doing come eight years later? What was your vision back when you graduated?
1: It's such a good question. So back in my, in my college days, I was, um, I was a diehard baseball guy. I played on the team. And, you know, when you're, when you're on one of those teams and you're around of like a band of brothers who really commit to this one goal of winning, you know, so much of your focus and your mind is thinking about that and not so much like your profession and your career. And I really had never given it much thought. However, I knew that my father and my mother were two of the world's most embarrassing yet social people my entire childhood. They would go (laughs) up and be the first people to start conversations with anybody in a room. Like, I mean anybody. So I knew that, you know, as I just constantly absorbed all of these little pieces of their personality my entire life, at one point, somebody mentioned, you're going to go into sales one day. And I didn't really think much of it. But- you know as i continued to be the child and the and the the student that everybody would either make fun of for being too excited about a movie that i just watched or a sandwich that i just ate like i was that genuine dude who got excited about everything and as you and i both know in the sales world you need to get people prospects excited about what you're offering what you're selling and it was just a very natural you know, uh, segue for me to go into sales, but I didn't really realize that this was going to be the world that I fell into until my senior year of college.
0: Fair. Hey, listen, you have me curious. Talk to me about your your the, the sandwich that gets you excited. I'm curious about what would get you jacked up over a over a sandwich. Oh
1: man, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the listeners hungry right now. <laughs> so um, I should add this piece. My father owned and operated a chain of bagel stores my entire childhood. So, um, fortunately, I got to watch him grow it uh, to a dozen businesses, the ins and outs of all the hardships of being a business owner and so on. Um, But even more fortunately, I was experimenting with every condiment, every meat, everything you could imagine when I was working in the bagel stores. So I could answer this in 10 different directions, but I'm going to go with the bagel. I toast the everything bagel. I will throw some melted monster cheese on there. I've got the peppered turkey, the onions, the tomatoes, olives, um, and then when I was feeling real, you know, interesting, I would throw in some scallion cream cheese as well. And um, as long as it was at the perfect temperature, the bagel had just come out of the oven. It was—it was like the first time I heard the Beatles, Paul.
0: <laughs> Lee, man, I have to say, dude, I'm impressed with your depth of detail. A, uh, I'm expecting, I don't know, to a sandwich on rye or something. And here we go. No, yeah. no, this is deep. I got the cut. I got the, I got the cheese. I've got the temperature. That's pretty deep, man. I love it.
1: Thank you. I mean, yeah. you hit me in the sweet spot. I've uh, I've worked for companies that have sold to restaurants for almost a decade. I grew up in the restaurant world. Talking food is just... It's something I love to
0: do. I love it. Well, listen, let's Thank get you. into it then. So your intention matters uh, as we talked about. Uh, nothing has really been gifted to you, nothing's given to you. Everything starts with mindset and intention that you create what you have and And so talk to me about once you once you finished school and you were ready to go, um what was your first uh, professional sales role where where you've decided this is what I'm doing for my career. How did that happen? Did they find you? Did you raise your hand, and where was
1: that? Yeah, absolutely. So my senior year of college, I was a student ambassador for a company called Jobbook. And basically what that means is it was my responsibility to try and get as many students to create an account and register for Jobbook. Um, Jobbook was basically like an eHarmony, but for jobs. It's a really cool idea and concept at the time. And I was one of over 120 student ambassadors all over the country at different universities and colleges. Well, um, you know the the natural winning spirit that I have, the the ability to just project genuine excitement, got a lot of students to register for JobBook, and I ended up finishing number one overall. And the main driving force behind this was the simple reward of getting a full time position at JobBook after school if you finish number one. So, after finishing number one, I then started my official sales career at this company job book up in Montreal, Canada actually. Um, and that's when I started really realizing what the sales world was like, all of the, the challenges and the punches I was about to face.
0: And and so, did you actually move to Montreal or was the company just based in Montreal?
1: Yeah. Yes, I did I moved to Montreal for a very little bit um, I wish I spoke French fluently but it was a it was an amazing experience
0: well you and I both uh, even though I live here in, a, in what's considered legally a bilingual country uh, <laughs> I, I can say hello and goodbye and that's maybe that's about it so yeah uh, okay so you moved to Montreal uh, was that an, an easy choice for you I mean not not only are you just are, are you moving but you're like moving countries
1: yeah it was um it was not an easy choice, definitely not, but um you know, I had no friends, I had no family. Um, I was moving countries like you just mentioned, but I've always been under this this idea of you know if you really want to put yourself in the one percent, you have to be willing to do what the ninety nine percent out there are not. Hmm. and I know that there's a hundred people that are in my shoes that you know grew up in New York that had the exact same you know, circumstances or conditions. And maybe one person would pick up their entire life and move to Montreal, Canada right after school to work for a startup. So I'm a big believer that you need to be able to take risks in life and eventually, as long as you do everything you possibly can to get to the finish line and you reverse engineer every step that you need to take, that risk will turn into a massive reward. And, um, and I, I maintain that mindset with my most recent move out to California as well.
0: Well, that's pretty cool, especially, you know, Montreal you. being a great city, um, you know, obviously very prominent in English, but there's a lot of French there being in Quebec. And, you know, there, there's pockets where I, I can go to Montreal. They don't even speak a lick of English. And so you have that right. element uh, in addition to a new job, new city, new country, a new surroundings. And so um, congrats on, on, on taking that leap and obviously creating something pretty good out of it. And so how long were you there and what was behind your decision to move and where'd you go next?
1: Yeah, um, I I agree by the way. It's very interesting, you know, Montreal, 50-50 English-French, anywhere to the east is only French, anywhere to the west is mostly only English. It's a very unique spot. So because of that and me learning the hard way that I needed to communicate a lot in French, um, I was only there for a short time. I was there for a few months Um, I then moved back to New York City to work for the same company, but at that point is when we decided to very amicably part ways, Mm. and that's when I moved on to the next chapter, which was single platform, which is what truly gave me most of the frameworks and the, the learnings and the teachings that I preach today.
0: Was there a period of, of, of downtime transition when you decided to amicably move on? And then did you have to find your next job or did you already have that teed
1: up? Um, so fortunately, there wasn't much downtime. Um, immediately, I had heard from a buddy about this company, Single Platform, that was you know, hiring. They were looking for salespeople. They sold to restaurants. It was kind of like checking up all the boxes for me. And I knew that if I met the leaders there, and I saw them as people that I aspired to be one day, then I was going to absolutely take the job and I was going to make sure that they knew that they should hire me. And um, I cannot stress enough the energy and the enthusiasm and the confidence that their leader, Adam Liebman, showed me that day in that interview. Um, And I knew that this was exactly what I needed to push me off in the right direction in my career.
0: Cool. And so, okay. So, so you're back stateside. You're you're yes. back home. You know, in uh, the city that never sleeps. You're back home, New York. Yeah, new job. How long were you at Single Platform? And talk to me about your tenure there.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, I was at Single Platform for about five years, and Single Platform had a reputation, and I mean this in the most modest way, for breeding the most talented salespeople in New York at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they were written in all the publications for one of the most fun cultures and the best places to learn, but they also had this ability to bring in certain individuals from all walks of life, whether it was a recent grad, whether it was somebody with 10 years experience, train them in a very specific school of sales. And then you would watch these salespeople go on to be Incredible leaders elsewhere, build teams from the ground up very successfully, or the number one salesperson at any other organization or or place that they went to. And um, when I went to single platform, I was a salesperson, I was making, you know, 100 plus cold calls a day, I was selling to restaurants and single platform, I should mention, um, is basically a B2B SaaS platform that allows restaurants and small businesses to really get their information out to every publisher. They syndicate their menu, their phone number, their hours out to every publisher, Google, Yelp, Foursquare, et cetera. So at the time when I joined, I knew that, okay, I'm somebody who gets people excited about things probably too easily. I know restaurants because that was my entire childhood. I worked in them. I understood the ins and outs of how they worked. And I was looking at somebody who was training me who I one day aspired to be. So it was like the perfect formula to really inspire and push me. And from very early on, Paul, I found success. My first month at the company, I was, um, I was off and running. I shattered all of their sales records in my training month. Um, and then I went on to be a top salesperson month after month until I was then um, very fortunate to run my own sales team. Um, Super competitive, you know, always trying to beat the other teams. Um, I worked in the training area. I worked in the, you know, the experienced area. I worked across the board learning from some of the greatest sales leaders, the ins Mm. and outs of how one of the most high performing inside sales engines truly worked in the SaaS space. And then towards the end of my time there, I was looking after the entire sales floor and um, it was the best experience I could have ever gained.
0: So you were there for the better part of five years, and yes. you you're you able to progress your career from individual contributor to leader. Um, sounds like that was a favorable choice on your part. Uh, did, you, did you gravitate to leadership right away? Did you struggle with it? And I asked because anybody who's a regular listener knows that I was a sales manager at Xerox, and I was like, ugh, awful at it. <laughs> and because I, I didn't know what I was doing, and I struggled with the idea of other people's activities, I was now dependent upon for my, for my uh, income, right? When you're an individu- individual contributor, you're responsible for that. You know, you, you eat what you and kill and, and you could do it if you have a base or not, but you're on it. Now, all of a sudden, you're, it's a totally different skill set. So did you enjoy that right away? Was it an effort on your part? Because you're still doing it. So I'm just curious about what that transition was like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I really wanted it. I really, really made it known that I can't wait to be a leader I can't wait to have a positive impact and influence on others around me. Um, that started at a very young age. My entire life, I was always the captain of my baseball teams. You know, all five foot six of me. Um, but I, I loved having that positive impact. And for me, don't get me wrong, and I know you could relate here, closing somebody down, you know, reaching the finish line and, and hitting the sale is an incredible feeling, and I love the benefits financially of being able to control your commission yeah. and your success. But in the most organic way I mean this, when other people found those small wins because I did something, whether it was through you know, my, my methodologies around my mindset or methodologies around how to sell better, when they reached that next finish line, I loved it, there was no better feeling for me. And, and not everybody is that way and that's okay, mm-hmm. right? But for me, That's something I was just accustomed to my entire life through sports. And I really wanted to be that leader. I really wanted to get there. And things happened super quick for me. It was less than a year that I went from being an individual contributor to running a team of, you know, 15 plus people. And I was, you know, 22 at the time. So I had to, I had to learn very quickly that this was not like leading people on a baseball diamond anymore. Like these are people's careers. These are professions. And I think it forced me to step up even more and learn those type of leadership competencies and skills. And it didn't take long for me to realize that this was definitely the path I needed to go down. All right. Five
0: years, pretty good run uh, with great progression with your career, different roles, different experiences within the same organization. And yet you're not in New York anymore. You're out West at a different company, uh, open to sharing what happened there and what was behind your decision to move to the Bay?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, So towards the end of my five years, um, I was put in touch with this um, unbelievable entrepreneur, my current boss and CEO of Cheetah, Nama Moran. And when I was put in touch with Nama, it was from somebody I respected a ton. Um, And he was like, you need to meet this lady. She's in New York City, and she is onto something pretty big over in San Francisco. So, Nama and I met. Um, and by the way, this would be my advice to anybody, right? Like, I don't think the grass is always green on the other side, but it would be a disservice to yourself to not always be open minded to additional opportunities, mm. right? So, that was kind of my mindset at the time. I loved where I was. I wasn't trying to leave single platform. But when I met this lady, Nama, who was a former woman entrepreneur of the year, and she had already started up a few companies and was on, to Cheetah, which was growing super fast, um, I just really related to her energy and everything that she was saying to me resonated at such a personal level because we had both grown up in the restaurant space. Um, Her father owned a farm and she just had this will to win, this desire to do whatever it takes to take over the world. And I had never seen that before in a leader And um, immediately I became super interested in what Cheetah was about. I knew that it was my, you know, my secret sauce of restaurants. I know how to, you know, unfortunately persuade and influence them at the highest levels. I connect with them. I understand the psyche one-on-one with them. And when I came out and I saw the operations and I met the rest of the team, I mean, I knew that this was one of those winning lottery tickets in my opinion, but I needed to take an enormous risk. I needed to pick up my entire life with my, Fiance at the time who turned into my wife. And um, we moved out to San Francisco. And my goal was to build up the sales team at Cheetah from the very ground up. Um, there was no playbook, there was no process. Um, everybody, when I say everybody, I mean, you know, the very few salespeople, it was kind of like Wild Wild West. People were doing their own thing. Mm. And I had proven at Single Platform that we had a very structured, organized, efficient way of acquiring B2B customers at a very rapid rate. And we did it in the SMB restaurant space. So long story short, when I joined Cheetah two and a half years ago, um, we really implemented a fun but serious sales training where we could again, recruit people from anywhere. And we would put them through this week long training course and they were put in a position to succeed. With constant coaching and a huge focus on all of these specific, you know, ideologies and methodologies and fundamentals and principles, they were off to the races. And we absolutely exploded where we did over 10x revenue. We 10x'd our sales team over the next couple of years. Um, Just an absolute blast. And, um, you know, with the recent COVID, we've pivoted to serve B2C customers as well. But it's been it's been so much fun. We're we're truly putting people in these positions to really just get their careers off on the best foot, in my opinion.
0: Well, that's so great to hear because I'm sure uh, there's more than a few people listening who are in a similar situation. Maybe a different logo on the bag and different cities and so on. But there's some that are listening who are wondering, you know, do I make the move? Uh, you know, it's, it's safer to stay where I am. And then, of course, where you mentioned Lee that you you know, your now wife, then fiance, you have to then navigate that because it's her life that's being impacted. And, you know, whether she's from the Bay or not, it's a big move for her. And um, did did she have a no trade clause into any cities like San Francisco was fine, obviously? Or did you have to really work that?
1: Uh, hey, that's a good question. <laughs> um, fortunately, we didn't have to get that granular. We just said, hey, it's San Francisco or New York. And again, back to that perspective, if we have to choose between San Francisco and New York City, I would say there's a lot of other things that we have to complain about. That's sure. not that. <laughs> yeah, fair. So um, initially we were going to come out for about a year and then move back to New York and then continue the sales team over there. But um, in typical startup fashion, our our leadership team needed to stay super close through so much change management. And you know it's been it's been fun in this beautiful thing that we call life. I get to look back on these days and say, you know, this chapter we got to spend this many time this these many years in this unbelievable city of San Francisco.
0: Well, Lee, I appreciate you taking the time to to chat. I, I've enjoyed the conversation. You, you come up to my neck of the woods, so to speak, a little bit in Canada. You go back to New York. Now you find yourself on the West Coast. Great success in different companies. And it uh, sounds like your personal life has uh, grown as well since. You're now married. And, and so congrats on what you've been able to create thus far. Uh, I always like to ask anybody who's on the podcast as we close here, Uh, I'm sure there's lots of advice that you have for people uh, if there was something that you wanted to share. But if there's one thing that if anybody was listening that you'd love to leave them with, uh, what comes to mind? What might you want to share?
1: Thank you for saying that. Um, So you hit it spot on. There's way too much to share. But if I were to say one little piece, it would be that it does not matter how talented your sales skills are if you haven't conditioned your mindset the right way. Mm. And I will, I will elaborate in one area and I'll keep it there because obviously we could talk for a whole another hour on just that alone. I mean, we could talk for a whole month on that alone, but in any situation or any scenario that you are in, regardless of the challenges or the adversity that you are hit with, if you don't find a way to win, if you don't find a way to hit the finish line, if you don't find a way to overcome that challenge, I promise you somebody else will. Mm. There's too many people on this planet and there's way too many people who are in a similar role to yourself for you to think that whatever is staring you in the face that looks scary is not something that you can overcome because it absolutely is. And when you have that mindset, everything else organically falls into place in the sales world.
0: Well, Lee, thanks so much for uh, taking the time. I've uh, I've enjoyed having you on and I'm sure the listeners have uh, really gotten a lot out of uh, hearing from you. So thanks for being here.
1: Likewise, Paul. Thanks again for having me.
0: You're welcome. All right, everybody, let's wrap this one up right now. Remember, uh, your intention matters because that's the result that you'll tend to get. We're out of here and uh, we'll do it again next week. Be safe, everyone.